Well, we want to just say welcome to Parallel Church. If it's your first time here, wow. Just, I want to say wow, thank you for taking that time on your Sunday to come and spend here with us. And we're just so excited that you're here. And, and you guys who come regularly, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate seeing all your faces and, and just being with you. And I think that's, that's a part of being parallel is just coming alongside each other. That's, that's why we chose the name, because we want to come alongside each other just as God came alongside us. We want to come alongside our world just as Jesus came alongside the world. And, uh, you know, we're now in five locations physically. Um, we are online and we've got our online crew with us. I know that there's even people from our Connect group who said they're going to be watching online while they're camping this weekend, which is going to be awesome as well. And uh, we just really want you to feel at home with us today. And we've been in the middle of a series. Um, in fact, we get to wrap it up today on parenting. And uh, it's, it's been a great series. And one of the things I just want to say right off the bat is this is framed in the context of being a parent. But what we're sharing can apply to all your relationships. Um, and and there's, there's things that you can go, and sometimes you, you tune out, well, I'm not a parent, I'm, I'm just a single, I'm just a, I'm just a, a high school student, uh, that doesn't count for me. But can I tell you, it counts for you as well, uh, because there's lots that you can learn from this, um, and uh, you can learn as we're going along. So most of us actually kind of fall into parenting. Um, it, it's, it's something that just happens with us. Um, even those who are really intentional, I mean, they, they've got it down to a plan. They know the date. They know they've got everything all set up in the nursery. When this a new child comes, everything goes to the wall. Uh, and everything is disrupted because things have changed. Um, and it just upsets everything. So we had planned to wait about five years after we got married um, to start a family. So we, um, we were going to be missionaries. We were going to be ministers. And somewhere away from Lethbridge, we were going to go to Africa or Asia or whatever. I grew up in Japan. So um, yeah, and we had connections in just about everywhere. Uh, so we were going to train for two years and um, just make sure that we were definitely well and ready and then spend three years out on the mission field somewhere. And then... After five years, we're going to have kids. We're ready to do the family thing. So, eight months after we were married, guess what? I found out I was pregnant. And honestly, we were so elated. We were so excited and also so terrified because <laughs> we didn't want to screw it up. Right? Yeah. And I, th I think that that's a very common sentiment because I was doing some research uh, a while ago because I wanted to find out why people came to church, especially people who haven't had a tradition or grown up in the church, uh, have no kind of connection with the church. Why, why did they start coming to church? And I, I found a Canadian sociologist who'd done some work on this, and he actually had the top 10 reasons. And right smack dab in the middle of that was this one here. I want to go to church because I want my children to turn out right. 
And that's such a concern, I think, for, for all of us because, you know, children don't come with an operations manual, right? You, you, can't, you can't even look one up online, really, um, and kind of just don't download it like you can for stuff now. And we went to Bible college where they're supposed to teach you all these things about, you know, uh, God, family, all that stuff. But we had no parenting courses there. Um, there was no Parenting 101. Um, and we had to rely on the example that was set to us by our parents and our grandparents and trust that they were going to be there to kind of help us um, if we got in over our heads and we lucked out. We did. Uh, we we, we had, have great parents, um, and uh, uh, my, my mom's still here with us, and, 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 uh, and Faith's mom and dad, and, and, and they've just been so great uh, as an example to us as to what to do. But, you, you know, uh, even with that support, coming home with this child in a, a car seat, and you take him out, and we looked at Julian, and we looked at each other, and we said, now what? Now what are we going to do with this? And uh, we realized that we were responsible for this little person. Um, and uh, we did not want to screw it up. And one of the things I want, want you to know is you may have been listening to all these messages that we've been speaking through for the past few weeks and think, man, those guys have really got it all together. Can I tell you that that leads to something that I call the if nice. Right, the if onlys, and the reason why is because I've been experiencing the if onlys as well. Like, if only I had done what uh, what what Pastor Kelly had said, or if only I'd done what Pastor Ralph and Cindy, if only I'd done what Pastor Tim and Jen had, had said, if if only. And and you sit there and you can get trapped in those. And one of the things you need to realize is that we're not perfect, and we've made a whole lot of mistakes on this thing. And what we want to share with you is just the things that uh, we've learned. So that you guys have some extra tools in your kit you can just draw on and, and work with. Yeah, you know, we are not perfect. We are imperfect. But we serve a God who is perfect. And I think that one of the greatest things that we can do as parents is to point our children to the God who is perfect. Because we can't fill all those holes in our children's lives, but God can. We can't fulfill everything that our children need fulfilled, but we serve a God who can. And I even told my kids as they were growing up, you know, I'm imperfect, but look to God who is perfect. So if we can point our children to God, we've done a good thing. Yeah. So I, I want to just start this with the caveat that anything we say um, is not for the purpose of comparison to say, oh, look, at we, we did bad, they did good. It's just for us to give you a resource to draw on. I think that being a good parent, a really good parent, boils down to two things. Number one, do you love your child? And number two, are you willing to sacrifice and work really hard so that your child is successful mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, in every way. Just work really hard so that your child is successful in those ways. And you're a good parent. Yeah. You are. You know, I made a shocking discovery a few years ago. Um, I was doing some research, which 
I like to do. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a researcher. I like to have things. This is scary for me. Can I tell you? Because this is I know this is the only set of notes that I have. I usually have like three backups on my phone, uh, and and so so I've been been worried about this all morning. When we made it through to the service, I'm great. Um, uh, but but I, I made this discovery that the parents, on average, in the West, so that's in Western Europe and North America, spend five hours a day with their children. And that, that, that really kind of scared me. But when I looked at how busy our world is with work, school, after-school activities, our smartphones, our iPads, our televisions, our computers, and all the stuff that goes on with life, it can be really easy for kids to fall through the cracks and, and get kind of missed in some of those, those things. So I don't know about you, but I know if I've only got 43 minutes a day with my children, I want to make the most of it, and I want to, to learn how to be intentional on how I connect with our kids. And that, that's probably basically what we're going to talk about is, is how, how to be intentional with those things. And it's not a new concept. Um, if you look uh, thousands of years ago when the book of Deuteronomy was written, um, this is written quite close to the front of the book. It says this, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And this was a book that was there to kind of set the foundation for what was to become the nation of Israel. It was to give them the uh, values, to give them the, the culture, um, to actually even give them uh, some of the guidelines that they were going to follow that was going to actually mark them as different from all the people around them. And, and, and God says there, there were four key moments in the day. And I like this because there's four key moments in our days as well where we can provide that connection uh, for our kids and communicate value, purpose, and culture to them. Um, the first one is when you sit at home. Now, I don't know about your house, but usually the only time we sit is at dinner time, right? Everything is going on and you finally get to sit down. And, you know, we really encourage people to take time to have meals together as a family, you know, and make sure that you turn these off because they are a real distraction. I mean, there have been times when I've noticed that Faith and Sean, um, who's our youngest at home, and I are all sitting there looking at our phones, and that, that, that doesn't really promote good communication. So, so even moms and dads, make sure we've got our, our stuff off to the side, and find time to talk. And if you have trouble figuring out what kind of things to talk about, you can always go and find icebreakers online. You can get them for every age group, and they work really good for getting the conversation started. The second time is when you walk along the road. Now, not many of us walk uh, lately, but we do drive. And driving is a great place to be uh, with your kids because they can't get out of the car once it's moving. Um, and you have a captive audience. And we, we really uh, have found that that's been a great time for us to connect with the kids. Most of our kids, we've actually had to drive to school. Um, and that drive to school is actually wonderful because uh, that, that's a time when I usually get to pray with my kids. Um, it's been a time where we have uh, got to even talk about some of the things maybe they're anxious about about during the day and kind of talk through maybe some strategies as we're driving along uh, the road. Another thing that I did with Sean when he was young, he was about six or seven, I strapped him in the back of the car and said, I'm driving, um, but you t 
tell me where to go. And so he would tell me to turn left, to turn right, uh, to go straight forward. And we had an adventure that day. Um, it was great because he was in the driver's seat, but we got to talk as well because it opened up that, that way for us to have a communication time together. And another time that's great for us is on road trips, right? Um, and, uh, you know, road trips are great, and most of the time they go okay, but even when we have those moments on road trips where things don't go okay, right? Uh, they have made for some great stories for our kids. Um, and uh, they, there's stuff that we can look back on and how we work together even to solve some of those problems. So it was, those are great times for us to kind of connect. Okay, the next one is when you lie down. And so that's, that's bedtime or maybe not bedtime. Um, at, when your kids are little, it's a perfect time to just connect with them and talk to them about any anxious thoughts they might have about tomorrow or anything that happened today or read them a story or um, pray with them. We always prayed with our kids and read them a story to tuck them in. And you know, when, when your um, kids are teenagers, you can't always, um, well, you can't usually tuck them in. I was just thinking about Tim and Jim. But <laughs> anyways, we don't tuck our 17-year-old child in. Um, but when our kids were teenagers, sometimes um, there were inconvenient times um, to connect with them. And sometimes we were ready for bed. Yeah. And we were just going to bed. And... Um, somebody would plop down on the couch and say, so, let me tell you about my day. And we're like, really tired, and we were ready to go to bed, but okay, tell me about your day. And we lean in because you know what? You need to take those times. You need to take those sacrifices because there's treasures in them and they will remember the times that you stayed up late they will remember the times that you were up all night with your kids talking to them or talking through things so yeah yeah, and the opposite end is when you get up in the morning. And I love mornings. I'm, I'm, I'm a morning person, and uh, I, I love the sun coming up, watching that. And, uh, you know, I think each day is a brand new day, and it's a great time to just kind of reset everything. Uh, and it's a great time also to just kind of set the mood for your kids in the morning and set that positive uh, set of mind for them for the day. Um, you have to be also careful of each child's different routine, especially as you get to kids who are teenagers, because you can't just waltz into the room, flick open the curtain and go, good morning sunshine, right? That, that, that doesn't really go over well with your teenagers. Um, and uh, in fact, in, in Proverbs, it talks about this. It says in, in Proverbs 27, 14, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. And uh, can I tell you, tell you uh, I'm sure that there were mornings that my children thought it was a curse. Um, but, but we want, want to be, be, be careful with that and, and be, be sensitive to that. Sometimes it's just good to say, hey, there's coffee downstairs um, and close the door quietly behind you. Um, so those are some times where you can actually connect with your kids. But what are some guidelines for connecting and communicating with our kids and how, how we're going to do that? So we'll talk a bit about those. The first one is learning to listen. And, you know, there are all kinds of times in the day when um, you may not um, 
you may not see it, but look for those opportunities to listen. I know I talked a little bit about that in, in my last um, um, point. When you listen to your kids, show genuine interest. Put down your phone. You don't need to be on your phone. You don't even even have the phone in your hand. Show genuine interest. Don't judge. You know, don't say, ooh, you did that. You know, be, don't be judgy. Be interested in what they're saying. Be kind, be genuine, be generous with your time. And I remember when um, my son was a teenager and he was talking to me and I leaned in and he said, I don't need your counselor hat right now. I need your mom hat. And I'm like, ooh, what do I do differently? But you know, sometimes um, our kids don't need our suggestions. They don't need our solutions. They don't need for us to talk at all. They need for us to listen to what they're saying. And when you're listening, I, I think you also need to have your heart sensitive to what's also going on behind the scenes. So look for the questions that are behind the questions they're asking. Look for the concern that's behind the content that they're sharing with you because they can be expressed to you in different ways. And even at different ages, they're going to be expressed in different ways. And sometimes uh, all of us have trouble sometimes getting down to the real root of things. And sometimes we'll talk about other things until we get to the point. And one of the things is I found that there are several seven uh, what I call heart questions that go, uh, go out for people and that we all deal with at different times in our lives in different ways, um, but they're really important for us to look at. The first one is, I am, am I safe? And it, you know, if we're in a place of danger, we're not going to be wanting to talk about, about anything except for getting into that safe place. And we want to make a safe place for our kids. Am I secure? In other words, are my basic needs taken care of? You know, sometimes you can uh, have a better conversation with a child with a sandwich in their hand than you can with them starving and waiting uh, for you uh, to, 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 to get to the point. Um, also, am I loved? You know, are we showing our children that they're valued? Um, am I wanted? And that's not just for us as parents, but actually in their own community, sometimes in their friend group, they're going to feel maybe I'm not wanted in there and maybe they're going to be talking to you. And that's really what's going on behind things. And when we get to that point is where we can actually start to connect with them and help them work through that question. Am I successful? Um, am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Um, do I have a purpose? And one of the things I think is a lot of times uh, we, we want to jump right to the purpose question when we haven't dealt with some of the other questions. And some of those, those questions need to be dealt with first before we get to purpose. And if we're, we are dealing with those other questions first, when we get to purpose, it goes a lot smoother and a lot nicer for them. I think the other thing is, is we can't control content, right? but we can control the conversation around the content. So our kids are exposed to a lot of content um, in, in a week, in a day even. Probably they're, they're exposed more to more content in a day than I probably got in a week. Uh, and most kids have three screens open at one time, their telephone, their computer, their TV screen. And they're taking in all kinds of stuff. And it's really hard because we cannot be the guardian of that gateway. Um, but we can uh, inspire the conversation that comes around that. So we, we talk to our kids. We try to teach them to think critically. 
to ask questions about the content, to actually follow things through to their logical end. What, if they do that, then what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And we talk through those things. In fact, now when we're watching a TV show or a, um, a movie, and we'll be sitting with Sean, and uh, uh, he'll say, well, that relationship's not going to go very far. And that's just because we've talked through some of this stuff before. We, we know uh, what we've, we've talked about. The other thing is you're not always going to agree with your children. Um, and that, that's uh, about anything, whether it's content you're discussing or, or other things. And one of the things we found is we need to pick the things that relate to our values that are important to us, where we actually make a discussion about those decisions and leave the little things uh, to take care of themselves. Because if we, if we take care of the big things, then when we address them about anything, they're going to know that we're serious when we mean something because we're not just hitting every little thing. We're just focusing on the things that are important. Um, the uh, next thing is um, embracing failure as an opportunity. So don't just go, oh, you really blew it there, or oh, I blew it, whatever. Um, apologize if you need to, if it was you that did the failure and um, if you did it against your child or against anyone else, like model apologies, that's so important. But take that time, take that opportunity to discuss it. What can we do to move forward? What can we do to make it better? What can we do to um, learn from this mistake and go forward? So always failure is an opportunity. It's not... Um, a losing battle or a hopeless thing, it's an opportunity. Yeah, I think that's really important. And another thing that we need to do is choose our words carefully and model positive behavior uh, to, and language to our kids. You, you know, words are really powerful. We don't realize how powerful they are at times. And I love the way that uh, Proverbs 18.21 reads in the Message Bible. It says this, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. And, you know, when I first read that, it was like, boom, there's a conviction right there uh, because because we have a choice as to what we can say. And sometimes, sometimes we get into the heat of the moment, we get angry, we get upset, and we say things that we don't want to say. And once we said them, it's really hard to take them back. And so one of the things is when you get into those kind of situations, um, it's okay to step out of the room and count to 10. If that doesn't work, count to 20. If that doesn't work, count to 100. Um, whatever it takes for you to get yourself back in to a calm state before you start communicating. Um, the next thing is be intentional about speaking vision into their lives. We've always attempted to speak vision into our children's lives and to let them know that they can do really amazing things and also that they can uh, find their vision for their own lives, that they were created on purpose for a purpose. That's so important. It is. And I think a really good example of that is found in the book of Esther. And this is an amazing story of a young girl who was actually chosen to be queen of an empire. Uh, and uh, her adopted father, Mordecai, was a counselor to her. And uh, one of the things that happened is their empire went into crisis. And his counsel to her was this, perhaps God has put you here for such a time as this. In other words, he spoke vision. He said, look, you're probably the key 
to turning this thing around. And it turned out that she was, and she would have never stepped up if he hadn't have spoken vision into her life. And that's a powerful story. It's one of my favorites. It's so powerful. We need to be our children's loudest cheerleaders. We need to stand on the sidelines. We need to walk with our kids. We need to be in front of our kids, behind our kids. We need to be cheering the loudest. We need to be cheering louder than their teachers, louder than their friends, louder than their mentors. We need to be the ones. And we need to tell them what they can do, not what they can't do. And that almost backfired on us once. Um, Sean uh, was in school and wanted to enter the science fair when he was nine. And uh, so he told us he was going to go in and he was going to win. And not only that, he was going to win at regionals as well. And so, um, you know, he had great vision because we told him he could believe in himself. I wasn't as confident as he was. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, I was trying to do the dad thing, you know, where you say, well, you, you know, if you don't win, there's always next year. Uh, we, we can do it again. Or, uh, you know, we just kind of comfort him along. And he would just turn around and say, no, I'm going to win. And uh, he got to the science fair and he won. And at that point, he was unstoppable. And he, he was going around, see, I told you I'd win. And then we got to regionals, and he got the medal for his age group at regionals. And he went around and told anyone who would listen, Mom and Dad didn't think I could do this. But <laughs> I did it anyway. And, and, and you know, <laughs> I appreciated that confidence. But, you know, it's more than just speaking confidence and speaking vision into our children. We also have to make space for that vision to happen. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see the story of Samuel and Eli. And Eli was an older man, and Samuel, part of his job was to take care of him. And in the middle of the night, he hears this voice calling his name, and he runs to Eli, which was the logical place to go, and Eli hadn't called him. And so he, he came back two or three times and, and realized that there was nothing that was going on that, that, that Eli was doing. And Eli was kind of confused, and then all of a sudden he realized, and he said, look, this is God calling. And he didn't say, um, next time come and get me and I'll teach you what to say to God. He said this, next time say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In other words, he gave him space to step into the vision for his life because Samuel was called to be a prophet. A prophet needs to learn to hear the voice of God. And the only way they're going to do that is by being put in the place and given the space to do that. And that's what Eli did for Samuel. Um, there's a poster in the kids' wing, and it says, I don't want to get it mixed up this time. Uh, we don't want our kids to sit down and shut up. We want them to stand up and be counted. I love that. And that might mean involving our kids in the things that we do, the things where we volunteer, the things where we pray with people, the things where we minister. Don't um, think that they're too young because God speaks to young children. God spoke to me when I was really young. So don't discount the fact that, ooh, they're young or ooh, they were having a really bad day today because God can speak to them. And we went, when we went to Czech Republic, we, um, we just really weren't sure uh, exactly. And we wanted God to speak to our kids too. And they were eight, 11, and two. And we sat them down and we said, you know what? 
we think that we should be going, but we want you to pray about it, and we want you to see what God tells you. And you know what? God said something to each of them because he's not a respecter of persons, and he doesn't think, whew, you're too young. If, if your child wants to hear from God, he or she will. And I think, I think making space for that is always important with us. Just to wrap it up today, I just want to move to our takeaway because th- this just kind of sums up what we've, uh, what we've been talking about. And this is make moments matter. Cultivate connection and speak vision into your children. I just thought that I should have changed that. Speak to a spark. Anyhow, um, but just speak vision into your children. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says this, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, they, they basically they say run in all directions. And when we are intentional about uh, taking time and communicating with our kids, taking time to connect with our kids, taking time to kind of establish those lanes where they can run, it's going to give them direction and purpose in their life. And it's going to stop them from, um, at least not all the time, running out of the lines and going, going where they should do. And, you know, today I want to just pray for you, um, if that's okay, that, that God would give you those moments that matter in your life. that be okay? Let's pray. Father, I'm just so grateful for all that you've done for us. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, for every family here, every relationship here, Lord, that you would create space for moments that matter. Lord, that you would help them to find connection and be able to speak vision into the lives of children and even the lives of their family and friends. Lord, that that they would encourage people to take those next steps that they need to take. Lord, we're just thankful for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God was very intentional with us when it came to connecting with us. In fact, he was so intentional that he sent Jesus to be the bridge between us and him when we couldn't be that bridge on our own. And I I love that the first thing that Jesus taught his followers when he was talking about how to have a dialogue with God, he said, the first word you need to say is Father. And, you know, I, I think that God has had always a desire for relationship. If you look through the whole story of the Bible, it's, it's looking at God looking to reestablish a lost relationship with people like you and with me. And, you know, sometimes we feel like we're not worthy of, of being a part of, of a relationship with God. But can I tell you, if you've never started a relationship with God, you're missing out. Because... Uh, I don't know where people would, would be. I don't know how I would even be a parent without having God to lean on in my life. And we want to give you an opportunity to start that relationship today. And, you know, it, it starts with just acknowledging that we can't do it on our own. And Paul said this, if, if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. And that's where the relationship starts. And 
we're going to give you an opportunity to do that right now in a prayer that we're going to do together. And I'm going to get you guys to close your eyes and just have a, a time between you and God and just have you all repeat after me. Jesus, I've messed up. I've tried doing things my way and it hasn't worked. I need you. Save me. Right now, I decide to make you Lord of my life. I want to follow you. I believe that God raised you from the dead so I could have new life. My past is past. I'm ready for a fresh start. Now I'd like you to keep your eyes closed for just a moment here because if you made that choice this morning and you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I'd really like to just celebrate that with you. And while everyone else's eyes are closed, I, I would just love you just kind of wave at me and just say, Jeremy, I made that decision today. I decided to follow Jesus. Awesome. And if you're, if you're even, thank you. If you're even scared to put your hand up, um, we would love to hear uh, about uh, the fact that you made that decision because we'd love to get you a Bible and get you some things to get you going on the way. And there's a card in front of you. You can open up your eyes and you see in the, in the seat pocket, there's a card. You could write your name and check, I have decided, or scan the QR code and let us know that you decided to follow Jesus. And we'd love to connect with you to get you uh, on your journey.